Today, um, we are focusing on pro-life. Now, this is a topic that has been very much in the forefront these days, especially since the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade. But today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to approach this topic from a wide lens perspective. The reason why a wide lens perspective is because when we say pro-life, if you look at the word life in the New Testament, especially in the New Testament, too much in the Old Testament, you get a different picture than the picture that we normally get when you say pro-life. Because when you use the word pro-life by itself, it sounds like normally it should as anti-abortion. And it is correct. It is anti-abortion. But that is so focused that I think we forget the fruits, uh, I mean, the roots of where this comes from, of where we have, as John Paul II used to say, that we have developed what is he called a culture of death. And I want us to have a real sense of understanding because the abortion of babies is a fruit at the end of a very long branch. And that branch goes into the trunk of the tree and into the roots. And you don't really understand the change that is necessary if you just focus on one fruit. The thing that also strikes me very um, deeply is the way that, as I said, the word life is mentioned in the New Testament, especially when Jesus uses the words. For example, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what does he mean? by using the word, the life. Because I think it's a little different understanding than we say pro-life. It's related, but what is the broad understanding of I am the way, the truth, and the life? Also, remember when Jesus said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What is he talking about? Because there seems to be a lot more there than just physical life as part of it is, and a very important part that it is. And so I think it's important for us as Christians. You see, I'm very aware that when I'm speaking to you right now, I am, that the old, say, the old way of saying it, I am 
preaching to the converted. You're here at Mass. And so I think what we need to do, though, as the converted, is have a deeper understanding of where the roots of all of this culture of death comes from. And allow God's grace to reach deeper into us so that we can be more ready to find and to work against the symptoms of the culture of death. Because abortion is one symptom, granted a very egregious symptom and a very widespread symptom. But there are other aspects of the culture of death. You know, the, the, whatever you may feel about capital punishment, it's part of death, you can't deny it. I, I was surprised the other day when I was discussing capital punishment with somebody that somebody said that, uh, and it, it's true, that in the death certificate of someone that has been executed, you know what it says, cause of death? It says homicide. It says homicide, state of Texas. But anyway, it is homicide. It's killing of a human being. But it's another culture of death. And the way we treat people, the way we treat people, we don't treat people as if they were alive. And I'm thinking pornography. Because when you treat a, a woman or a man as a thing, you are detracting their life. You are not seeing them for who they are. And you could go on and on, you know, drugs, all kinds of stuff are really a, an, an attempt against life, against the way when Jesus uses the word, I am the life, it is speaking against that. So the, the issue I want to focus in on, now that I've given you the symptoms up here, these are the symptoms. Just what I want you to understand is that abortion is a serious but one symptom of the culture of death. And we could go around pointing to different symptoms of the culture of death. The question is, where does that culture of death comes from? And here I would like to dive into a little aspect, an, an aspect of Catholic understanding of reality, which I think Catholics sort of um, uh, slide over without deeply understanding what they're talking about. And the, what, what I would like to focus on is the word original sin. Now, whenever I say original sin, I, I think most Catholics that I've experienced say, well, isn't that taken, quote, taken care of at baptism? And it kind of, that's it. It's left there. But what I have come to understand in trying to understand, what I've come to understand in trying to understand my faith is that the condition that we are in right now, which we can say the result of original sin, needs a deeper understanding of that reality. 
I've even stopped using the words original sin. I've started to prefer to use the words the sin at the origin. The sin at the origin. The sin at the origin of humanity is not anything that you or I committed. As a matter of fact, we really don't know exactly what it is. We have a story of Adam and Eve, and the word Adam and Eve means humanity and mother of the living. And so we have this two people, um, and the story is that a serpent tells them not to go ahead to go ahead and eat of a fruit. Doesn't say an apple. It says of a fruit that God told them not to eat of because the tree is called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, you might wonder at first, why would God not want Adam and Eve to have the knowledge of good and evil? But you see, the mistake that is made there normally is when people think that it just means knowing the difference between good and evil. And it's not. You see, in the ancient world, when you knew something, it meant you had control over the reality which you knew. And so, reinterpret the tree of knowledge of good and evil and start calling it this tree of control over good and evil. The tree of control. Now, Satan says to Eve and Adam, she says, did God really tell you not to eat of that? <coughs> and Eve says, yes, we're, of all the stuff in the garden we can eat, but we can't eat of the tree lest we die, not even touch it. And then Adam, I mean, the, the serpent, <coughs> the serpent sows just a little bit of doubt, just a little, hmm. He says, did God really tell you that? Did God really, you know why he told you that? He told you that because he's afraid. He's afraid that if you eat of that tree, you won't need him anymore and you will be like him, knowing good and evil. Now, what does that exactly mean? It would be basically what, he, what the snake is saying is, look, if God says to you, this is evil, do not touch it, do not do anything that way. If you heed of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you can say, you know, God, thank you so much, but I have a different opinion. That's good, and I really don't care that you say it's evil. It's actually the opportunity to create yourself rather than to live within the limits of God the way God has created you. What Satan is saying is you can have the power of what I would call radical autonomy. In other words, you don't have to obey God. You can create yourself 
And you can choose whatever is good and whatever is evil. You don't have to obey. Now, it's a lie because the human being cannot self-create. You and I are who we are, and I don't care if you have a sex change or if whatever you think you're going to do, ultimately, you are who you are. And you may become what I would call a reasonable facsimile of something else, but you ain't that something else. You ain't, to use bad English. And so when Adam and Eve do that, they become disconnected from the source of what it means to live, from the source of what it means to be able to know who you are. <clears throat> it's interesting because when Adam and Eve immediately take that, they immediately look down and say they're naked. And of course, that's a symptom. And the symptom is the symptom of self-rejection. You know, you look down and say, you're embarrassed, but as before they weren't. But now all of a sudden, this disconnect has occurred, and there's a sense of self-alienation going on. And from there on, their kids are disconnected. It's the closest thing to a spiritual personality disorder. Original sin, or the sin at the origin, is a personality disorder that has affected the entire human family. Now, is the guilt of it erased at baptism? Yes, it is. But not the after effects. Not the after effects. The example I always like to give is this. Imagine a little child that you tell, don't touch the pan because I'm cooking, and, and uh, you're going to burn yourself. And the little kid, when you're turned around, looks at the pan and wants to see what's in it and grabs it and burns the heck out of his hand. And the little kid comes up to you and says, Mom, Dad, forgive me. I disobeyed you and I touched the pan and I burned my hand. Do you forgive him? Of course. You say, okay, I forgive you. And then the little kid looks at you and says, but if you forgave me, why does it still hurt? Because the after effects, the consequences are not related to the forgiveness. The forgiveness is there, but the consequences do not go away. If you kill somebody when you're driving drunk, and come to confession, I will give you absolution, but you are still going to jail. Okay? That's a consequence. What has happened to us as human beings, and again, we don't exactly know historically what happened, but we can still feel the after effects we, all you have to do is turn on the news and actually just live your life and family, and you can tell something is not right. Something is, has gone deeply wrong with what it means to be human. 
this is not the way it was supposed to be. A, a friend of mine says, we do not live in a world that God has made. We live in a world that we have made out of the world that God has made. And that is the sin at the origin. There's something wrong. And that something wrong is that we are disconnected from the creator. We are disconnected from our sense of purpose, our self-knowledge. We're disconnected and therefore, everybody's walking around going, I'm trying to find myself. Well, of course you're trying to find yourself because we're disconnected. It is a condition of the mind and of the heart. It's at the very center of you. You are, your programming is corrupted. You've been forgiven, but you're still corrupted at the level of desire, at the level of what you desire. You know, one of the moments that I find most interesting in the New Testament is when Jesus, when Peter says, oh Lord, may he, Jesus says, I'm about to be crucified and, and he will rise again on the third day. And Peter says, oh Lord, May that not happen to you. Now that's classic. Except that then Jesus turns to him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, Peter just wished him something nice. Don't you think that was normal? If I were to tell you that I'm going to go down to Target after Mass and I'm going to be jumped and beat up and kidnapped, would not most of you say, don't go there, Father. Most of you. Okay. I'm not making a presumption. Well, of course you would. And if you said that to me, I would go, thank you very much for your concern. What would you think if I were to turn around to you and say, get thee behind me, Satan? What, what's going on? But you know, listen to the very next sentence that Jesus says. Because it's, boom, it's exactly right on what I've been saying. Jesus turns and says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You are thinking like man does and not as God. Now, examine that, examine that statement. Peter just did something nice. And Jesus is calling him Satan. And he is saying, you're not thinking like God. Why? <clears throat> because we don't know what it means to be normal. We don't know. We, our programming has been so garbled that we don't know what we ought to be like. It's like a person who constantly works on a computer from the, that from the very beginning has been infected with a virus. And they think that the infected computer with a virus is normal. No, it's not. It's not normal. The only normal human being that has ever existed is Jesus himself. 
He is the only human being who represents the way human beings were intended to be. And so what we are are corrupted human beings. What's the purpose of coming to church? What's the purpose of Christianity? The purpose of Christianity is to get you to think differently. The purpose of Christianity is not to come to Mass. The purpose of Christianity is not to say, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, and this wrong. It's, that, that, yeah, that's okay. But it's at the level of learning to think differently. You can't think the same way and as normal human beings do and be normal. Because normal is the only Jesus. There you begin to see the cause of abortion. Why? My body, my choice. No, it's not. You already got it wrong. Why? Because you're disconnected. You know, we ought to be able to make as much as we want and cheat anyone we want. No, because you're disconnected. If you look at the Beatitudes today, what Jesus is saying is he is giving you a map of exactly what it means to think the way that God thinks. And if you notice, he is saying you should be happy precisely at the things that the world says you shouldn't be happy about. Think about it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Really? What are we taught in our society? When I, when I talk to kids in our, in our youth group, what do their minds think? I want to make as much money as I possibly can so that I can be rich, and I want, it, I want this and I want that. Is that thinking like the Lord? No. Poor in spirit means you understand your radical dependence on God. Blessed are the meek. Meek, you know what meek is defined as? Mousy. Jesus was not mousy. Meek means there, in that context, means gentle. Strong, but gentle. Powerful, but moving slowly with respect. Instead of being brusque. Jesus is describing to you what it's like to be like him because he's giving you a map of his own personality. He was poor in spirit. He knew his dependence on God. He was merciful. He was thirsted for justice. He did all of those things. And ultimately, the conclusion of the Beatitudes is be careful when you fit in to our culture too well. Because when you fit in too well, that means you are normal according to the world. You are thinking like Satan. You're not thinking like God. 
And when I say Satan, I'm not meaning, you know, I'm, I'm talking about uh, the liar, the liar. And so, folks, we get to the point of pro-life. The reason this culture has become the culture of death is because we're disconnected from the culture of life. We're disconnected, and we think that we can continue doing what we're doing as if the American Constitution and, this, and the uh, Declaration of Independence were part of the gospel. I, believe me, I, I, I highly respect the Constitution and the, the, the Declaration of Independence, but it's not the whole gospel. Right, what we have to do is to say, wait a minute, we're not just Americans, we're Christians. And that means that we have to admit that our thinking is already corrupted. And we have to begin to change and ask God to help us to change not just what we do, but the way we think. That's where this whole thing is coming from. Folks, we're going to continue to battle the abortion issue from now on. It's going to be a state and state to state. But ultimately, the political solution doesn't get to the root. The root is religious. The root is that we have a personality disorder at the level of what you desire and at the level of how you think. You're thinking like man does, even though Peter was doing something nice. And that's where I think we Christians need to go deeper. Yes, let's stay involved in politics. Go for it. Church, by the way, this whole thing of being separation of church and state, <clears throat> that's not what that means. It means that we should not have a, a state religion. <clears throat> but it's not supposed to be a separation of religion from public life. <clears throat> but we need to go deeper. And we need to understand that as Christians, the best thing we can do is to give a witness of a people who are trying to reconnect, to reconnect with God, to reconnect with God through Jesus, to change the way we think through Jesus. Our imitation should always be thinking like Jesus. That's why St. Paul says, put on the mind of Christ. It's got to be at that level. It's not at the level of not doing this or not doing that or coming to Mass. Those are all good things. But it's got to be at the level of your personality. <clears throat> we are like alcoholics. You may go to Alcoholics Anonymous, but one of the things about alcoholics is you're always an alcoholic, always. We are sinners. We have been forgiven, but we have a permanent condition that if unchecked, produces the culture of death and produces the death of the unborn child.